0: Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. I have seen it, and I'm sure both Shay and April will agree, more pitches fall flat because people don't take the time to know who they are talking to. Mm -hmm. Since your elevator pitch needs to be short, which we've already basically checked the box on and we all know that that needs to be true. You actually need to make some assumptions about your audience and specific things about your audience that's going to help you basically relate your pitch to them in a way that they're going to be receptive. So you need to know about what your audience cares about, you need to know actually what they know and they don't know potentially on your topic, their tendencies, their triggers, and then you need to strategize how best to engage And the more you know, and the more informed you you are about this person, the better those sound bites will be the better that what if questions going to be because you're going to be able to really kind of like hone in on what is going to really resonate with them. So this means as Shane pointed out, you actually have to plan these encounters, I mean whether it's yourself or your idea your product your business, you need to be ready to take advantage of these opportunities when they arise too many people kind of get in these situations and then they don't know what to go do. And then the situation passes them by and you're like, well, I mean, that's life, right? Mm -hmm." So don't be that person that 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 situation passes you by. Be prepared with that 10 second, with that one minute, with that two minute, which you can then elaborate based on how much time you have. The pitch stays the same, but you can add examples, you can add more what ifs, you can add ideas that kind of make that a little bit more of a richer conversation. To really be very specific about this, the biggest thing that annoys me when people elevator pitch me marketing services is when they don't acknowledge the fact that we are a marketing agency, right? (laughs) So just a very specific point, if they would actually take their two minutes to know us, know what we do, know how we have our business actually set up, they would see that we are just April and I, and we have a bench of really fantastic and really talented freelancers and boutique agencies. So instead of pitching us to do marketing for us, they should be pitching to be on our bench. Yes. Right. And so when we've talked about cold calls, which we're going to have an episode on that, that is a really big point of like taking that pitch and really fine tuning it to be able to uh, really relate in a way that's going to get that attention of your listener. You know, even as another example, a more broader example that people would be able to um, understand is like if you watch Shark Tank, which you mentioned in the beginning, if you see each one of the sharks, they all have a different personality. They all have a different things that they're searching for, what they're listening for, what matters to them. So Kevin O'Leary, which happens to be one of my favorites, who's also known as Mr. Wonderful, he always <laughs> asks about sales. Always asks about sales. So you should assume in your elevator pitch that you have something about sales in it in order to be able to relate to him. Otherwise, that becomes a question that's sitting there triggered in his head, primed and ready to go. And he's probably not even listening to anything yep. else you have to say. So Shane, um, what else do you have to say about this? I know you talk a lot about the audience. You just mentioned it before in some of your early examples.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, as well as I do at PG, we always say consumer is boss because everything right. is, you know, designed and for them. I like to think about that from a story standpoint, the same way audience is boss, right? So, you've got to know, like you said, who you're talking to, what are going to be their interests, what are going to be their concerns. Uh, it, and, you know, one way, to really start to, to, to think about that is to test them. The great thing about pitches is they're short. They're easy to test. You know, write out a couple of pitches, uh, share it with some colleagues, share it with some friends, say, hey, if you heard this pitch, what are some of the first questions that come to your mind? What part of this is most interesting to you? Is, there, is, is this confusing? Is it clear? What Tell me, when you read this, what do you see in your mind's eye? What is the product? What is the service you think I am offering after reading this? So uh, I would not necessarily recommend winging it, Uh, you know, to your point, (laughs) which is right. I mean, some people can do that. Some people can do that. But uh, I would normally recommend that it's important to plan ahead for these, like you said earlier, and to have a couple of those versions and practice them. Practice how you would deliver them. Practice when you can tell. I can see I need to go deeper and I see I can tell I need to go deeper in this part. Maybe it's about sales. Maybe it's about the finances. Maybe it's actually about. The marketing of it. Maybe it's about the R&D of it. You know, I, I don't know, but you'll be able to tell once you do this enough from your audience that like, ooh, I can tell that they want more on that bit. I should expand on that. But to do that, you've always got to be paying attention to your audience too at all right. times.
2: Yeah, I think that's a great point, point. and you know, we talk, test, and learn constantly on this show, and I think your point, Shane, is really well taken of making sure that you are responding in kind, whether in the situation or afterward, like you said, to go back and refine what you're talking about, and Anne, as you were going through, one of the things that I thought about is the more you can be in the driver's seat, which comes from preparation, the better. So you never want to be caught on your heels. so in the example of Shark Tank, if you know one of the questions is always about sales, that should be built into your pitch. However, if you don't do your homework, then you don't know that. And so then you're having to react in the moment to what they're saying. and. Anne's point about us being pitched for people to do marketing services, I mean, it's such a hot button for me because nothing comes across more tone deaf than you wanting to take my time, but then not respecting me enough to have learned about me and what it is about me that might be compelling or something that you can provide to me. And so I think it is, you know, and as we're getting into this topic really deeply, I just keep thinking about the art of it right Mm -hmm. it's it's just such an art to be able to react in the moment to nuance your pitch to learn about people and it's not just about what do i do for a living but who am i as a person i think that's a big part of the audience piece too it's who am i talking to as a human being not just Mm -hmm. said title person out there as my quote unquote audience
1: yeah but and you said something really important there, I think, April, around time in particular, because even if it's a one minute pitch, even if it's a five minute, even if it's a 20 minute, there, there's something that that, by the way, is the most precious currency exchange in the story is time, because for any story to take place, both sides are are giving time, time to listen, time to tell time, you know, for both. And I always uh, make this thing, you know, in, in my head, whenever I'm getting ready to present called the storyteller's promise, I call it. And that is, I promise as a storyteller to try to inform, to engage, to inspire, to entertain if you're willing to give me your only non-renewable resource, uh, which, of course, is time. And so, you know, for folks in the audience, if you've got to, you know, do a pitch, if you're being called in for a pitch, if it's scheduled and they've given you 10 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, an hour, whatever it is, just remember you're taking up a big chunk of that time, make it worth the time. Show that you're excited. Show that you're enthusiastic. Show that you're passionate. Do the research. Uh, even if you know someone may ask sales, they may not, but you better have it in your back pocket in case they do, right? So you could still wire your pitch a different way, but just be ready that if they ask you, like, ah, that's a great question. Let me explain that. And you can go right into it, you know, even if it wasn't in the core pitch. But yeah, the uh, remembering the value of time, I think, is very important. It's very important.
0: I love that and I also like the the point about reading the room. I mean mm-hmm. so I'm so much we get so absorbed in our, what we want to say and how we want to say it and and we forget to actually read the person or the audience that we're talking to to make sure that they're receiving it, to make sure, you know, what 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 part is like sparking to them, what part might they might be confused by. So I love that point too.
1: I, I would recommend everyone that you have some what I call friendly editors you can talk to. Yeah, <laughs> uh, because you know there's there's folks that, that I can show them stuff I'm working on, and I'll get the oh, you know it uh, it looks good, it looks good. Yeah, yeah that's nice, <laughs> that's nice, and you know and that's lovely. I appreciate that. That is, but you know you need more of that. Um, well, you know I read it, and um, so I love the beginning. But then it seemed, I'm not con, I, you know, I'm confused by this middle part. It seems like you're branching off to two ideas. I'm not sure. By the time we get at the end, I wasn't sure if you're trying to tie this back. Like that's good constructive feedback and you've got to have folks close to you that you can say, hey, would you do me a favor? Take a look at this. What do you think? Um, what do you think my key message is? What do you think my key takeaway is? What is the actual problem that this product or service truly solves? I mean, you know, can you pull that out from it? You can't defend it if they come back and like, well, I think you're trying to say this. It's, ah. What made you think I was trying to say that? Yeah, you know, yes. Dig into it, learn from it. You know, take and also that is not a simple thing to ask someone to do. Take them out for a Starbucks or a beer or something like that. Because if you're asking someone to really give you some good detailed feedback, that that takes time. That takes time too.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. All right. So our third point about creating a compelling elevator pitch is to make sure the POD or the point of difference comes through. So this can be implicit or explicit. So when you're giving an elevator pitch of your idea, your product, your brand, your service or business, and the POD is usually found somewhere in the solution or the anecdote, like we talked about. Like in my early example, I say that the marketing tool has the potential to 10 times the leads in the first month. So even though that's not a explicit, at least stated POD, it does imply that this marketing tool is somehow better than potentially other tools we might've looked at. And it does get your attention as being something somewhat compelling. It's like, hmm, okay, um, I haven't heard that before. Um, or maybe that sounds like something that we haven't like actually experienced before. So that could be a way to really capture people's attention. When we talk about forthright people, we talk about coach trained do. Again, not an explicit POD, but it's definitely something that people are like, Oh, I haven't heard that articulated like that before. What does that mean? And how does that help me and my business? So it starts to kind of again, create that dialogue. And it's definitely something that's memorable when they come back to us, they, they definitely will tell us back to us, you know, your coach train do thing. I think we want to kind of be in this coaching area or this training area or this doing area. So it starts to kind of create language too, that people can actually have a conversation about So we know we're all on the same page. Now, PODs tend to be more explicit in elevator pitches for products when it's common to compare against competitors. So even if the competitor isn't explicitly stated. So this is an experience that me and Shane had a gazillion times that I'd be showing up in the archives. I'm like, I need a new way to talk about tide. Can you help me find another <laughs> way to talk about <laughs> tide? Right? Or on Subables or, you know, whatever you know, brand I was working on at the time, and Shane's always like, Oh yeah, yeah, we can sit down with us like, talk through it, and you know, he's always so helpful in helping us figure that out. But for example like Unstoppables right now claims that your clothes smell fresher for longer right now that begs the question about what longer than what, what you know what that is that but it's still the comparison makes it show up like a pod now when you're elevator pitching yourself it's generally more implied because yes. that takes a little bit more savviness it takes a little bit more style and tact, so you don't come off as sounding like you're being overly salesy about yourself which it's a um, fear that a lot of folks have. So for more on this, we just have a recent episode on how to self-promote without sounding arrogant. So you could go listen to that one. But Shane, help us uh, with a little bit more about PODs and and how do you instruct teams about how to make these things come through really, really compellingly?
1: Sure. So I love the idea of PODs. PODs, again, for everyone, that's points of difference. But then there's also these things called POPs, which are points of parity. And right and and being very honest with yourself as you think of your product, your service, your brand, your idea, you know, what are the POPs? Because there's always some of those. And then what are the true PODs? And often people will think the POD has to be a technology or something like that. And, and, and it doesn't. I mean, that can absolutely be one. You know, you look at a brand like, you know, Bounty uh, or Tide, which, you know, always does a great job of demonstrating side by side demos. You know, here is a dirty sock uh, and here is a clean sock, you know, before and after, you know, here's a bounty paper towel. Here's a spill. Watch me literally, you know, watch this dish uh, go in, you know, covered in grease, go into Dawn and come out, you know, clean. So the technology can absolutely be that POD, but then make sure you showcase it. But it could also be the experience or the emotions from the experience, or it could be a combination of technology experience and emotions. It could be all those but, you know, you, you take a brand like Airbnb, you know, which Airbnb, you know, there's hotel rooms and then there's Airbnb, right? And, and, and their POD wasn't booking a room per se. It was actually immersing you into a local community or a culture. It was expert hosted activities where they would have like, let's say the, the person that owns the Airbnb is a, a painter. You can set up an hour painting class with them, you know, and they'll do special stuff like that, which is really cool there's special houses you can stay in. Like uh, I took my family a while ago and we stayed in the Tony Stark Endgame house. Uh, oh, there's a big surprise. The, the, <laughs> <laughs> which of course was right up my alley. And I asked her the, wow. oh my God, I-, I probably tortured my kids but I made them all act out the scenes and filmed all over the house like okay here's this shot let's recreate that shot uh, oh you know,
0: man and,
1: oh yeah absolutely did that by the way I thought I was traumatized scene.
0: by going to battlefields as I was growing up this is just another kind of I took trauma. them to movie
1: houses I took them, you know just recently I think it was this past Christmas they the home alone house was in yes. Chicago and you and you April could book we'll that
2: Speaking yeah. speak in you my know? language
1: uh, not long ago, my wife and I went to an Airbnb and the Airbnb that we were at was just for a weekend, like getaway, but the owner of it was a butcher and uh, had, uh, you know, this, this great local butcher shop and left us some of his award-winning bacon and a couple steaks, you know, just, just in the fridge, a little nice note, like that's a POD too. It's that total experience, you know, or, um. Uh, Chewy is a great one. We use Chewy, uh, you know, for our dog food and stuff and, you know, things like fast delivery and, and uh, you know, good return policies and stuff. I mean, quite honestly, those are points of parity in many ways because a lot of companies offer that, you know, but, you know, Chewy understands, you know, uh, how a pet is part of the family and they understand the emotion. They understand that. And one of the things that I found online was hundreds and hundreds of stories of how often people forget to turn their subscription off when a pet passes away.
0: Yep, mm-hmm. yep, I saw it. Totally and
1: uh, and when that happens, you know, all of a sudden it's maybe been three weeks and, you know, the pet owner's forgotten to do that and they get this bag of dog food or cat food or whatever and they're like, ah, oh, you know, I forgot to turn that off. And and, and they, they call up Chewy and Chewy immediately doesn't talk about refund policies and stuff like that. They talk about the pet. They ask the pet's name. They talk with the person on the phone. You know, there's a compassionate conversation going on. And then at the end, they may remind them, "Oh, by the way, I've already refunded your money. Don't worry about that." And also, do not try to send the food back. Donate it to a local pet shelter or give it to a neighbor that has a pet or something. You know, do what you want. And then the amazing thing is, I can't tell you how many people online talk about this. A few days later, they get a card and they get flowers, mm-hmm. right. you know, from Chewy, and not signed by Chewy, signed by the person they talk to on the phone.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And you know, so like, you know, return policies and stuff like that really are kind of points of parity where compassion. Is the point of difference mm-hmm. there
0: that's a really fantastic point. And, and then
1: you know you take something like disney you know as a final example and and i'm a huge disney fan i love disney I love everything about disney and going to disney and the great experiences they put together but you know this disney knows how powerful stories are they know they know how that is and and their cast is all charged to create these magic moments right that people you know walk away and remember when, when they're done and some of them can be very quick and very brief you know um and I literally, just uh, just a few months ago, a friend of mine told me this one. And it's amazing how many times when I ask people about a Disney trip, one of the first stories they'll tell me is about some kind of incredible cast member customer service moment that went on, uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. you know?
1: Um, and I said, so how was your trip? And he's like, oh, Shane, you won't believe it. I've got to tell you this story. He said, so this was, he has two daughters and it was his second daughter, his youngest daughter's first trip to Florida. She had heard that when you go to Florida, you got to try key lime pie so she was really excited to try key lime pie we're going to florida we got to i I gotta try key lime pie so they're at the uh be our guest restaurant the the beauty and Uh the beast restaurant you know and it's dessert time and the you know waitress rolled the this tray around with some desserts on and um immediately said his daughter shot her hand up was like do you have key lime pie do you have key lime pie and the waitress was like, I am so sorry, honey, we actually don't have key lime pie here, but you know, we've got these desserts Would one of these be okay, this one's really good and you know she went through and described each of them and all that and he said his daughter picked one of the desserts and was totally fine, had the dessert, great. And you know they go about their day, and they get back to their room that evening. And they walk in and they had a room that had a little kitchenette in it and uh, they get in there and there's this, this Mickey Mouse head shaped post it or note or something you know that was was on the fridge. And it said sorry we couldn't help you today and they opened it up and there was a full key lime pie inside oh
2: my gosh mm. it's amazing
1: and, wow. and, and i can't tell how many times when i tell that story then immediately someone say oh my gosh you got to hear my story yeah. and then yeah. they tell one yep so you know that pod can be it could be a technology it could be an experience it could be emotions it could be your team it could be a process you have it could be a culture within your company it, it can be a lot of different things. So don't think that it's just a tech.
2: It yes. does not have to be, or
1: a functionality. Literally. It does not have to be just that.
2: Well, and I think the the points you make, and I mean, those are all such rich examples, which yeah. I, I think is amazing, but big or small, I think it's about the impact. And I feel like mm-hmm. what happens a lot of times is people gloss over the POD or right. they think a P.O.P. is a P.O.D., to get really right. into your guys' acronyms. Way to go, April. Yeah, love the acronyms. I have to, I have to take little Jets. Acronyms at are great. They're can. great. Yeah, yeah. No, they're great. <laughs> but I think that the other side, so either people underthink or they overthink, and I think that's where things go wrong, right? So I think in one example, you have the just true simplicity of you're staying in an Airbnb. That host Thinks, how can I have a small impact on these mm-hmm, people's visit? That's right. Right? That's right. Then you have things like Disney, which is all about the experience throughout, but they're still looking for ways to go above and beyond that and stand out and be different. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that that's what you should be looking for is really what's gonna cut through with people and really resonate with them, whether we're talking about tech or we're talking about emotion or anything in between service and experience it doesn't matter Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter it's what am i going to do and i like to think about those things as moments of delight right I love so that. For that me, is a PNG thing. Too. That is a. I know it's a PNG thing, right? But I, I know. <laughs> I love that
1: word though. That's great. You know, but there's
2: you know there's a local restaurant that does blow people away. Whatever whatever expression you want to use. Well, sure. Okay, fine. Yeah, um, <laughs>
1: no, I, I you know I I I do the same thing. I kind of and you're right. It's it's stepping back and just thinking to yourself. You know if your competitors can also deliver the same thing it's probably not a pod. Yes. If it's just an expected benefit in the category you're in, it's probably not a pod. Yes. If there's an easier or better way to do it than what you're doing, it's probably not a pod. If yes. no one's telling stories about it, it's probably not a pod. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean just to put the final point on it with Tide, right? We use Tide in this house. We use all P&G products in this house, quite frankly. Nice. So nice. It's a little bit of a love-hate for me with with you you folks. Um <laughs> But the Tide piece for me has always been about the smell of growing up in my house, right? And I know I'm not the only one that says that, but... Yes, I use it because I have two little kids and and I'm also a spiller and we have a dog and all that stuff. But really it's when I take the clothes out and I smell that, it's the nostalgia of that. And Mm -hmm. I think the brand Mm -hmm. does a good job of talking about that just as much, if not more, than it's going to actually get it clean. And so I think there's always the balance of that too. It's like, what's really going to resonate with people beyond the laziness? I think there is some laziness to what happens here of, well, we do a really good job at this and that should be enough. It's no, what's the audience going to take away? Mm -hmm. And what are they going to glom on to? And then to your point, go and talk about. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.